but I was there about three or four years after the trade centers went down, and there was a hole. Uh, even if you'd never been there before, you could tell there's supposed to be something right there, but there's nothing right there. There's just kind of a gap in the skyline. And he looked over to a guy on the sidewalk who's standing close to him. He said, hey, what do you miss most about the World Trade Centers? And this guy who didn't speak great English, he's from the Far East, uh, he said this. He said, what I miss most about the World Trade Centers is it would allow me to keep my bearings. And what he was saying was in downtown Manhattan, it's easy to get lost. It's easy to get turned around. Where's north, south, east, west? And he said whenever he was lost in Manhattan, he would look toward downtown. There would be the World Trade Centers, and he would know where he was. It would allow him to catch his bearings. <coughs> well, I can tell you this. In a fast-paced world with all kinds of chaos and and the rat race that we're all trying to live, you know, the American dream and sicknesses and diseases and natural disasters. It's easy to lose your bearing, isn't it? It's easy to lose where you're going. Where is true north? Where is the way, the truth, and the life? And I believe here today that Jesus Christ gives us our bearings, amen? He allows us to see true north. And so in John chapter 14, verse six, Jesus actually said that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father but through us. And so on our first service, on our first Sunday, in our first message, in the first time that we open up our scriptures, we're going to turn to Mark chapter 1, and we're going to talk about Jesus. Because there's a lot of things we could talk about. We could talk about this or that. There's a lot of different things. Whenever I turn on AM radio in Houston, Texas, do you know what they're talking about right now all the time? I don't either. I don't listen to AM radio, but I was just wondering if you knew I was going to pick up on. <laughs> Actually, I went blank. But anyway, we're going to talk about Jesus. So a few things about Mark chapter one, if if you are there, uh, this is the first written account of Jesus. Did you know that? I, I, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Nathan, you don't know your Bible very well. And you may be right, but that's not the point. In your Bible, it says Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. But Matthew was actually not the first one written. Mark was written first. It's a man by the name of John Mark. You'll hear him called John Mark throughout the scriptures. This was actually by far, most scholars agree, the first written account of Jesus Christ, which makes it kind of special to Christians around the world. Also, you'll notice it's the shortest book. I like short books. How many of you like short books? I can read a short book. You give me a thick book, James, I'm not going to finish it, okay? You give me a short book. So throughout the book of Mark, you'll run into the word quickly and immediately, over and over again. Immediately, 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 immediately. Mark's trying to get to the point. He's trying to get to the cross. He's trying to get to the resurrection. He's trying to tell us Jesus is the life. And he's getting there fast, and I'm grateful for the way Mark wrote his gospel account. Also, uh, this isn't written in there, but most scholars agree that the apostle Peter helped him write it. And Peter kind of had that uh, feel of quick, and, and let's just do it really quickly. And so maybe that's where that comes from. First Peter chapter five verse thirteen. You see how how close Peter and John Mark was. Here's what it says in the scriptures: Your sister church here in Babylon sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Mark wasn't Peter's son. Why was he calling him son? Because that's just how close they were to each other. They were best friends so much so that the apostle Peter would call him my spiritual son. And so most scholars agree that Peter helped write the book of Mark. But there's some deeper truths than just those three facts that I want to share with you today. Here's some spiritual significance 
to Mark's writing that really impacted me. I want to walk you through some other passages that John Mark is mentioned in. Acts chapter 12, verse 12 is the first one. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. That's our writer, John Mark where many people had gathered and were praying. What was the first church doing? Did, did they meet in middle schools in the first century? I don't think Hopper Middle School was around yet in, in, in uh, ancient Israel. They were meeting in houses. Where were they meeting at this particular one? It was, it was Mark's mom's. What was John Mark's family known for? Just kind of hospitable. They were helpers. They were helping out. The next passage later on in the chapter says, when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them who? John, also called Mark. Whose mission was it? Barnabas and Paul's. Who came with them to help? John Mark. Wasn't even called his mission. He was just a helper. He was just tagging along. And then later on in the next chapter, Acts chapter 13, verse 5, it says, When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their, what? Helper. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 4, there's actually 12 different times in the New Testament that Mark is mentioned, but I'm just going to show you this one as the last one. Get Mark and bring him with you, the apostle Paul says, because he is what? Helpful to me in my ministry. What did you notice John Mark was good at? Was he a good preacher? Never mentions him preaching. Was he a good leader? Never mentions him leading. Was he a miraculous healer? Could he lay his hands on you and heal you? It never mentions John Mark healing. It never mentions his gifts. It never mentions his preaching. It never mentions his leadership. What is he? He's a helper. That's what he is. Don't ever underestimate the value of helpers. For some reason, it's the people on the stage who gets all the credit. It's the people in the limelight who we lift up. But I just want you to know, God chose to write the first account of Jesus, the first written account. He chose not a preacher. It kind of hurts my feelings. Not a leader, not a music minister. He chose a helper. God values. And we need to know that today. Isn't that good news? It doesn't matter what your talents are, what your gifts are. You may say, well, I'm not very talented. Well, you can always help. And God values that. I just want you to know there are no chairs put up today. There are no tables in the back. There's no band. There's no music. There's no children's ministry. There's no signs if it wasn't for helpers. As a matter of fact, that's not just true of this church. That's true of every church of Jesus Christ. They aren't so much built upon the leader. They are built upon people willing to help. And God says, first account, first written account of Jesus. I'm going to choose John Mark. It wasn't even his missionary journey. It's Paul and Barnabas. They're the big names. I'm going to pick a helper. And the second spiritual truth that I find from the book of Mark is in Acts chapter 13. I don't know if you knew this. Mark had a tainted past. Now, I'm not going to get into our pasts here today. I don't know how many people here have any sin in your past. I'm the first one to raise my hand. My wife would be the second one to raise her hand about me. This guy, thank you, somebody else. I have some sin in my past. And John Mark had a big one. He had a big black spot. In Acts chapter 13, on one of the missionary journeys, Acts chapter 15, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had, had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company at some point. We don't know what happened. Mark was on a missionary journey, and he said, I've had enough. 
Maybe it was a family issue. Maybe he needed to go back home. Maybe he was tired of the persecution. They were going through a lot of persecution. Maybe he was just tired of the work, but he deserted the mission. And you would think that would put John Mark on the JV team, but it didn't put John Mark on the JV team. God chose Mark to write the first written account because later on in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, we just read earlier, Paul, at the, at the point of his death, he asks for Mark to come to the prison cell. They had reconciled together. He didn't say, Mark, you're on the B team now. You're not as valuable. And I just need you to know today, if you have something in your past that you're not very proud of, or you have something in your past that makes you think, I'm less than that Christian. I'm not as good as that Christian. I'm not as valuable as that Christian leader. That's not how God views it. Isn't that good news? We may view it that way. You may hear of another Christian who does something that's terrible. You may say, well, you're not as spiritual as him or her. It may just be that you haven't heard of him or her sin in their past. But God doesn't put John Mark on the sideline. He uses him to write the first written account. So as we dive in verse by verse, notice in Mark chapter 1, there's no genealogy. There's no Christmas story. Where's the Christmas story? Where's the Matthew account? Where's the Luke account? There's no genealogy. And the reason for that is simply Mark is writing to the Romans. They don't care about the genealogy. Matthew and Luke, they're writing to Jewish listeners and they care about the genealogy. They need to know that Jesus uh, qualified to be the king. The Romans didn't care about that. So you don't see any genealogy in Mark's account. But here's what it says in verse 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus the Messiah, the son of of God. The beginning of the gospel. Jesus, and your translation may say in front of you, the Messiah, it may say Christ. Now I just want you to know when I grew up, I thought Christ was Jesus' last name. I thought his first name was Jesus. Christ was his last name. Just so you know, that's not the case. They didn't have last names back then. They would have said this is Jesus of Nazareth, where he's from. You know, uh, Tina of Katie, that's what they would say if you didn't have a last name. Um, they would say Jesus, son of Joseph. They would say Jesus, the carpenter. They didn't have a last name, but here he says Jesus Christ or Jesus, the Messiah. Christ is a title. Messiah is a title of the anointed one. The Jews had been waiting for thousands of years for the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ to come. And Mark just steps in and says, he's here. Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. The son of God. And he uses an interesting word. He uses the word gospel or good news. It's a word that means good news. Now, in those times, why that was significant to the Romans was this. When they would have a war, somebody would come up to a village and challenge them to a war. I don't know how it all went down, but they would have a war. And the men of the village would go outside somewhere on a battlefield and they would fight the battle. And all the women and children and people back home were wondering, did we win or did we lose? And after the battle, if they won, they would send a messenger back to the village as quickly as possible. And they would announce the good news, the gospel. We are victorious. We won. They're coming back home. Gospel, good news. And what's Mark saying here to the Romans? I am announcing the good news. We are victorious. Jesus has come. We have won. We have victory through Jesus Christ. That's good news. That is gospel. And so he goes on in verses 2 and 3 to say, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, 
I will send my messenger ahead of you. That's John the Baptist. We're going to learn that in just a second. Who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. I want to point out the word prepare. Prepare the way of the Lord. At that time, whenever the king was going to come into a town, Nero, Augustus, Caesar, whoever the king was, they would have a security team go ahead of them, and they would make sure there's no mudslides on the street. They would m make sure there were no nails on the street. I, we have some friends here today who I think had four, how many, four flat tires this last week? So they would, you didn't know that was coming, did you? Uh, four flat, they would clean the roads. They would prepare the paths. Uh, they would prepare the bridges. Are the bridges safe? Can the king past the bridges and then they would announce to the town that the king is coming John the Baptist here is preparing the way for the king that's what he's doing but he's not preparing roads he's asking us to prepare our hearts that's the difference the king is coming is you, are, are you ready? are you prepared? is your heart clean? are you ready to listen to the word of God? or do you have a hard heart? do you come in here today hardened by the world? or are you open to what Jesus has to say to you the king is here, and he wants to speak to each and every one of us. And so I just want to take a pause for a moment. This is what I gather from Mark. Matthew, Luke, and John write to try to convince you that Jesus is the Christ. They write to tell about the life of Jesus. Mark doesn't do that. He's not writing to tell us about the life of Jesus. He's writing to tell us that life is found in gospel good news the king is coming john the baptist comes to prepare the way and then he goes on in verse four and so john the baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins so he he preaches prepare yourself and repent and here's what i want to say this morning encountering jesus doesn't happen on accident do you know that you're not going to drive down the road and meet 529 and Fry on your way home today or whichever direction you're going and just all of a sudden encounter Jesus. What John the Baptist is saying is it takes preparation. It takes intentionality. Are you prepared today to meet Jesus? Are you prepared today for God to speak to you? Let me give you some, some ways that you can prepare. Here's just some things that I wrote down that I try to do each and every week, each and every day, each and every Sunday. Number one, I prepare my mind. I come in with a clear mind. My mind is on God. My mind are on the things of God. I have opened up my word throughout the week, so my mind is already thinking spiritually. I'm ready to meet Jesus. I am prepared. I prepare my mind. Number two, I try to prepare my heart. Is there something in me that is standing between me and the Lord? Is there something hard? So I pray every week, Lord, touch me today. Lord, speak to me today. Say something to me today that I need to hear. That's a sign of humility. I'm not saying I have humility, but I try to prepare my heart. Number three, prepare my family. If you are a parent in here today, or you are married, it is your responsibility to prepare your family. You will answer for that someday. If you are a husband, did you walk your wife toward Christ? If you are a, a wife, did you help your husband? Have a relationship with Jesus Christ and your children. And that goes for the husband and the father as well. 
Do you, as a father or a mother or a husband or a wife, do you sit down together around your dinner table, around your dining room table, and you say, you know what? This Sunday, I don't care what comes up, we're going to be in the Lord's house this Sunday. Do you do that? Do you prepare your family? Number four, prepare my body. Now, as you look at me here today, you probably don't think I've done any preparing for my body. Don't laugh at that. It's okay if you laugh at that. What that means for me is this. I do my very best. And don't laugh at this, my wife. I do my very best to get my rest for Sunday morning. That's what that means. I don't want Sunday morning to come and I get to the point where I'm too tired to get out of bed for Jesus. If Jesus went to the cross for me, I can get out of bed for him. Is anybody else with me or am I the only one here today? And so I'm going to try to prepare my body. I'm going to set up, man, I, and this isn't even me. I got the best example of this, of this growing up. We could go to a friend's house and spend the night on Friday night, but not Saturday night. You want to know why? You're going to church tomorrow. That's why. And there was a preparation for my family, for my parents, who led me that way. And so Jesus meant a lot in terms of preparing our body. Number five, prepare your calendar. As you set up your calendar, oh, well, I should just ask you today, what are you doing next Sunday morning? Well, I can tell you where we're going to be. We're going to be right here. And actually, I'm not even calling you to be right here. I'm calling you to be in the Lord's house somewhere. I'm calling you to serve Jesus, to be under the word of God. It's not up for debate. It's not a question. We won't decide next Saturday. It's been decided today. The third Sunday of June of 2021, guess where we're going to be? In the Lord's house. That's where we're going to be. We prepare a calendar. Number six. This is the one we often forget. Prepare others. Invite others. And by the way, if you invite others, meet them at the door, walk them in, walk them to the amazing coffee that is back there, pour sugar in for them, pour sweetener in for them if they like sweetener. You make it easy for someone else to be prepared to meet Jesus. Then it goes on in verse 4 and 5. Verse 5, the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Let's move on to verse 6. John wore clothing made of camel's hair. Now, in my mind, that would just itch. But that's, I like soft shirts that I can easily sweat through, as you can see. With a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I am impressed by John Mark who doesn't mention all the great things of John the Baptist. He could have mentioned John the Baptist left in his mother's womb when he was in his mother's womb. That's pretty neat. He could have mentioned what Jesus said about John the Baptist. Do you know what Jesus said about John the Baptist? John the Baptist was the greatest man who ever lived apart from Christ. Wow. What a compliment. Mark doesn't say it. You know what he says about John the Baptist? He wasn't worthy to untie Jesus' sandals. That's it. And those are John the Baptist's words. In those days, a Hebrew slave was commanded, you do anything your master tells you to do, except one thing, untie your master's sandals. That's, that's too low. That's too beneath you. And John the Baptist says, I'm so far from Christ 
there's such a big gap between me and him, and he's the greatest man who ever lived. He says, I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. Maybe that's why Jesus called him the greatest man who ever lived. He was constantly pointing people to the greatness of Christ. And then it goes on in verse 8, our last verse. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Have you been baptized? John commanded it. Jesus, is, uh, Jesus commanded it. Paul commanded it. Peter commanded it. Timothy commanded it. Have you been immersed into Christ? By the way, that's a word there that means going all the way underwater and coming all the way back up. But John says there's something different about my baptism. My baptism is with water. Jesus's was too. When you read the book of Acts, you find out that Jesus' baptism was with water too. What was John the Baptist saying? What's the difference in my baptism is with water. Jesus is with the Holy Spirit. Here's the difference. John is saying, I can baptize you with water. It represents uh, repentance. It represents being prepared. It may even represent the forgiveness of sins. But only Jesus can change your life. Only Jesus has the power to have the Holy Spirit, which goes into your heart, which can transform your life forever. Your sins can be forgiven over here. But what happens after your sins are forgiven? You're probably going to sin again, aren't you? Jesus changes you forever. That's the difference. John took his life and he said, don't miss Jesus. He says in another passage, he says, I must decrease. Jesus must increase. Are you ready? Are you prepared for when the king comes? I appreciate, and I close with this, I appreciate uh, my grandpa Orville Bolt. He passed when I was 11, didn't know him real well. Uh, he was a man of God, didn't talk a whole lot. But when he talked, people listened. He was a crop farmer and a pig farmer and a cattle farmer and a chicken farmer. He was an everything farmer. Uh, never had a whole lot of money. And when he got to the end of his life in his 60s, he became an invalid. Nobody really knows what happened, but the muscles uh, in his body began to fail. And he was in a lot of pain. His last two years was in a lot of pain. Grandma couldn't take care of him anymore. And so she had to send him to a nursing home. And it was hard to watch. Grandpa never complained. But I remember the phone call came. Uh, I was in sixth grade. I remember the phone call came. If you want to see Grandpa again, you better get to the nursing home if you want to see him alive again. This is probably going to be his last. Well, we lived a ways away, an hour and a half away. So we got in the car. Uh, but it wasn't long before we got the call. He, he, he already passed. You missed it. We heard uh, that some of the kids were there, uh, that they were constantly asking him, do you need something? Do you need a cup of water? Do you need something to eat? Uh, do you need some more pain medicine? He, he would always respond with the same words, everything's all right. Everything's all right. Need a cup of water? Everything's all right. Need something to eat? Everything's all right. Need a help with that? Everything's all right. And those were his last words. Everything's all right. And then he passed. We didn't think much of it until the next day we started to talk about what Grandpa said. And then we started to realize what he really meant. Everything really was all right. He was right with the Lord. He was covered in the blood of Christ. He was facing death head on. And he wasn't scared. <coughs> Everything was all right. His wife was saved. His kids were saved. All of his grandkids who were of age was saved. Yeah, everything was all right. He didn't leave much for the family inheritance. Wasn't a lot of money to be had. I'm not going to have a penny from Grandpa Horrible's name. But what he gave me is going to last forever. Because of him.
everything is all right for us. Is that true of you? When that moment comes, and I don't know when it's going to come for you, are you prepared? Are you ready? That's what John the Baptist was saying. That's what John Mark was trying to teach us. Be prepared. Let's pray. Father, today you have given us head on from the first eight verses of the book of Mark. You have told us don't miss Jesus. And you have told us be prepared for Jesus. And I know in those days there were a lot of people who weren't. And Jesus came and they couldn't see him. God was standing in front of them and they missed God. We can do that today. We can even do that in a church. We can miss you, and we don't want to do that. Father, my prayer today is that there, if there is anybody in here who's not prepared, they don't know if everything is all right, that they would, they would make that decision today. They would say yes to Jesus, and they would surrender all. It is in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Well, thank